I'm Clint Emerson, and welcome to season two of Can You Survive This Podcast, where the interview is just as dangerous as the scenarios I put my guests through. From hostage situations to natural disasters, car jackings, active shooters, and more, if you're looking for the skills necessary to survive these situations, then this is the show for you. Thanks for coming back and listening to another episode of Can You Survive This Podcast. I want to say thank you to everyone that pre-purchased and purchased The Rugged Life. As you guys know, it's out on shelves everywhere books are sold. But of course, the easy button is literally Amazon. And uh, any five stars or comments you can give it would be great so that it remains at the top of the rankings and search analytics. Uh, Today, we've got... uh, He's a, he is a genuine badass. He is a uh, c- codenamed or nicknamed Pretty Boy. He's an Australian professional boxer holding the Commonwealth Super Walter Weight title in 2018. He's Australia's number one middleweight. He is number five WA, WBA middleweight and number two IBF middleweight and is about to be set up for a world championship September, October I want to welcome Michael Zarafa to the show. Let me let me uh, have him pronounce his last name properly. Welcome, buddy. Thanks, brother. Thanks for having me. So throw that throw your last name out there because I butcher last uh, names Zarafa. all the time. Zarafa. Zarafa. Oh. oh, okay. So I kinda, you nailed it. You nailed yeah, it. I, I kind of mumbled it just right. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, it's awesome to see you again. I know the last time we were hanging out was also obviously SAS Australia and uh did you watch the show over there uh yeah I did it came out really good I was uh disappointed obviously I couldn't get through but uh, I actually sustained a, a serious injury which took six months to heal and um I was shattered I was shattered. that sucked man I felt for you and uh <laughs> and it uh yeah I think you would have you would have gone to the end, no doubt, because you got the heart and the spirit, and obviously you're tough. So, and that's that's really all it's about, right? Just like what you're doing, passion drives drives the success, you know. Hundred percent. So I have a little, you know, we got to do a rapid fire, get us all warmed up here and uh, cozy together, and uh, and then we'll get into all the all the SAS stories and talk about your your uh, your upcoming world championship fight. So. Of course, I got to get some boxing uh, rapid fire in here. So here we go. Um, the jab or the hook? Jab. 100%. Yeah. Uh, working your hands or working your feet? Uh, footwork. 100%. Footwork. Yeah. Uh, gloves or no gloves? Uh, gloves. <laughs> <laughs> well, come on. There's a little street fight every now and then. Uh, all right. Now this one's kind of going back to SES. Would you water or fire? Ah, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say fire. <laughs> fire. <laughs> oh, uh, water sucks. <laughs> and for where you're at, I have to throw this in just for the American listeners: the kangaroo or the koala? <laughs> kangaroo. Kangaroo. They're, 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 they're little fucking. Those are mean little bastards, aren't they? They're dangerous, man. Don't let their looks fool you. They're cute and cuddly, but they're dangerous. Yeah, man, they'll they, knock they, you they're, out. They're hundred percent. All right. Uh, the straight or a hook? Mm, a hook. Hook? Yeah. All right. Bob or weave? 
<laughs> Weave. Angle is the key. Angle is the key. <laughs> Angle is the key. There's no doubt about it. All right. We did a short one because we know we need to get you into training. So uh, I'm going to circle back to the top. Jab versus hook. You pick the jab. Is that like your is that your thing? 100%. I just feel like the jab sets up everything. Um, you know, they say a jab takes you around the world. You know what I mean? It, it, it It's the can opener. You, know, it, it, you start with it, you finish with it. You know, and yeah. it, it, yeah. you, can win, you can win fights off a jab. Yeah, I, I remember um, when I was putting a combat edition. I there's a uh, there's a uh, a silver medalist boxer from the UK, but also went pro for a while, and he was in uh, in the book, and we got to talking about jabs, and I liked the, some of the points he made. Is like, you know, when you need to like defensively break up an attack, a jab is just a great way to kind of get yourself out of that problem, right? Yeah. Does that do you feel like that's true? Uh, yeah, for, like. When you're not, when you're not, you know, when you can't set something up, you know, you you just waving that out there, you're popping the jab, and it, it it sets everything up. And like you said, when you're in trouble, you know, as they're coming in, you're just popping that jab out. It stops their momentum and 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 breaks what they're about to do. So I just feel like a jab. And I, I, you know, I, I've won a few fights just with my jab. You know, like their style just didn't match mine. And you know, the only way to save it is just on that jab on the outside. And um, I really feel like that's that's the key in boxing. If you've got a good jab, good footwork. You're pretty much set. Yeah, man, I love the jab too. And obviously, I'm way amateur, but I, that's the one thing I like working on any bag. It's just working on that speed uh, combined with the uh, the power and just seeing how fast, but how devastating you can make it. You know, it's just fun. Um, what is your favorite workout as it relates to the jab? What what do you what is something a listener can do to make their jab? uh better everyone tries to, to load up on that on that left hand you know obviously it's your left hand you know you, you're, you're not going to knock anybody out with that so for me i just flick it open hand backhand just just flick it out there and that's where you get your speed um and your timing everyone tries to close fist and, and try to step in with that that power shot but for me like i said open hand and just keep it working it's it's to set everything up you know everyone tries to you know, make it a right hand and it's never going to be the case. And, and yeah. for me, like I said, I just, I just keep flicking up and down, you know, levels to the body, to the head, back to the body. Um, and yeah, open hand, which you, if you keep an open hand, you'll get the speed. Um, you'll, you'll get that, 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 um, that timing. And like I said, it sets everything else up. So even when you have a glove on your hand is loose. Correct. Yeah. That's what yeah, I mean. Like yeah. when I've got the jab, yeah. I'm just flicking, you know, just yeah. flicking. Cause I know it's not going to knock anybody out. I'm, I'm trying to land the right hand, you know? So yeah, I'm trying to go as quick as I can with the left, just touch, touch, touch to come over the top of the right hand. Um, but that's why I mean a lot of people that aren't familiar with boxing or, you know, that, yeah. what that jab is actually meant for, they're trying to load up everything. And by the third round, you, you, you're gassed. You know, it's a 12-round fight, you know what I mean? So it's just yeah. trying to set everything up, you know. So, yeah. like, you got to set everything up, you know. And, and I'm trying to land that that big left hook or that big right hand. So the left, the jab's just the can opener. It's just to, to, um, to get that measure, get that level. And to set everything up. Yeah. Fuck. Love it. Um, Handwork, feet work. You picked uh, footwork. Is that just because, yeah. is that your specialty? Are you, you're good at that or what? You well, well as a young, as a young, you know, amateur and, and, you know, former Olympian and stuff like that, we just worked highly on footwork, you know, and um, that's key. If you, if you, if you move, you don't get hit, you know? So you want to be, you know, creating angles and, and you want to be fast on your feet. And that, and again, that sets everything up. You know, if you're standing in the middle of someone, you're just an easy target. But when you're moving around the joint, 
you know, it's a lot, lot harder to be hit. Um, you know, like I said, anyone can throw a punch, but not everyone has footwork. So for me, I, I, I truly believe that footwork is, is another key to success in boxing. And do you get them? Where do you, what do you get them when you're training and you're trying to develop your footwork? Is there any one thing you feel like you, it works the best? Is it shadow boxing? Is it, you know, in the ring, just working, you know, you know, I've, I've done these little exercises where they'll string lines across the ring. Yeah. 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 We do that too. Yeah. Yeah. And you're just working, you're working your feet, you're working your head, you're kind of working it all together, but is there any one thing you like to do? For me, I just visualize like visualization is key. Um, you know, in the ring shadow boxing and just imagine there's an opponent in front of you and, you know, he's throwing all these shots and you're just slipping, moving, weaving, uh, and you just take your time. You know, again, it's something that can't be rushed. You know, you just, it's like ballroom dancing. It's the same steps, you know, forwards, side. There's only four movements. You know, there's yeah. the forwards, back, side to side. So um, you just take your time and really try to implement the right steps because sometimes you can step the wrong way and get caught. So oh, yeah. it's about really taking the time and, um, and just visualizing just who's in front of you, you know, your opponents in front of you, you're just moving your head, moving your feet and um, finding that rhythm. Rhythm's key. Yeah. I like it. Um, of course, gloves, no gloves. You picked gloves. I mean, makes sense. I mean, you are a professional boxer. <laughs> now, have you, getting hit with my gloves. <laughs> have you, have you gotten into a scuffle uh, in recent years? Oh, yeah. or are you, are you trying to be good these days? No, well, when I was younger, I used to be a bit of a, a badass, as you put it. I um, <laughs> yeah, look, I, I I guess when I first started, I used to think I was the best, you know. And if I was out with my mates, or whatever, this was a good 10, 15 years ago. I would, I wouldn't say no to a, to a street fight, you know. I'd love love to get in a bit of a scuffle, but obviously now I'm a professional, uh, highly world ranked. Um, you know, people look up to me and stuff like that too. So you know, I try to be you know someone good outside of the ring as well. So. For me, I'm, I'm matured now, and I just try to walk away from any kind of any drama. I have enough drama. I fight enough in my life, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and I know that any of anybody who's a pro or, you know, you could be a professional soldier, professional fighter of all sorts, they usually are the ones that are not going to go look for a fight, nor are they going to engage in one. They're definitely the more mature, grown-up ones because they know deep down inside you never really know who you're going toe to toe with, Correct. and that can be a dangerous moment for anyone out there, right? So it's just better to kind of walk away, uh, unless of course they fuck with you enough. Well, then you know <laughs> you got to show me who's boss. But, yeah, for me, like, <laughs> yeah. I get all the time. You know, people recognize me and stuff, and not everybody likes you. You know, so some people do try to start you and. For me, I just say to myself, like, if I wouldn't ask for your advice, I'll, I don't care what you've got to say, you know. So for me, I just keep yeah. walking. Um, you know, I just I don't let it get to me. You know, the younger me would. I used to be a very impatient, short-tempered dude. But now I'm 30. I've mellowed out a little bit, you know. And yeah. like I said, my career, my career comes first. That's right. Yeah, you got to protect it. Um, water or fire, you picked fire. I mean, the scary is they're both scary shit, man. <laughs> so, for listeners, let's fill them in. Yeah, we the first task in SAS Australia was we lit we lit you on fire, and then you had Savage. to sprint. You had to sprint to a, a, a basically a river and put yourself out. And then um, shortly after that, like a day or two later, I think then it was the uh, then it was um, the beehive where we put you in water. And then you had to, uh, you know, remain calm and not freak out um, because you're borderline drowning. So you picked fire, obviously, over – you'd rather burn to death than drown, right? 
Oh, I would rather neither, but I mean, <laughs> for me, I didn't think, you know, on that show, I thought I was okay swimming until I went onto that show and you know, I was trying to swim and I wasn't moving, you know, and I started panicking and water was getting in my lungs and I was like, shit, man, like, you know, at least on land, I can try to run, you know what I mean? I was a little bit more comfortable. But I mean, when he, when Ant stood in front of me and was like, you know, you, you run when I tell you to run, I was like, Jesus. And he couldn't feel that it was getting hot. You know, I was like, man, he can't feel what I'm feeling. You yeah. know, so I kind of panicked a little bit, but I mean, I wouldn't, if I could dodge both, I definitely would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You did good though, man. You did good. You, you were doing, you know, it wasn't until later we found out that, you know, obviously you had a serious injury and, so uh, you were, you were pushing through it like a champ, obviously, cause you're the champ. Um, <laughs> all right. Kangaroo or koala, you picked the kangaroo and we kind of already touched on it. They're evil little bastards. Crazy man, like they're here all the time. Like sometimes you open your front door and they're just standing in the front of your house. Like yeah, <laughs> they're, they're they're savage, man. But um, they're a cool animal. But yeah, like I said, you can't get too close to them because they they they'll rip you in half. You know, they jump on their tails, they throw their feet at you. They actually box, and um, yeah, they're a fascinating animal. But again, you can't get too close to them because they are very very dangerous. Yeah, did you see that video that was on social? It's been around probably for a year or two. Where that the guy, dog? the guy, yeah, yeah, and then the guy he saves the dog, and then he he goes into this boxing stance with a Straight kangaroo, right in. yeah, and I was like, that, that was guy's a fucking nuts. Yeah, yeah, but they're crazy. Like, there's been so many accidents with people that try to get too close to kangaroos, and they're they're units. They're six foot two, like they they're, they're massive animals, man, and they're built like you know Schwarzenegger in his peak. You know, they're they're monsters. Yeah. Yeah, they, they get ripped. I know there's there's another video on social that shows a kangaroo that looks like he's on steroids, but <laughs> they're all up. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're all they're all built that way though. I don't think people realize that. They're <laughs> um okay, the straight or the hook? You pick the hook. Yeah, hook um is a very dangerous punch um because it comes outside, you know, your peripheral vision. And if you can land it and time it right, mate, it's all over. You've won the fight. You know, and I've won a lot of my fight, my last fight, uh, perfect example. Yeah. And as he came in, I just touched with that jab. I just on the, on the outside hit with that hook. And once it goes past a certain point, you can't see that. So it hits you basically without them even realizing. Um, so if you can really per- perfection that, you know, your, your hook can win a fight every time. Yeah. And do you, you prefer, I mean, even the body shots, I mean, those are fucking devastating, right? I mean, they're worse than a hit shot, you know, hit shots you can, you can take, but you know, you can shake them off. But once you get hit to the body, which, you know, I have in, in previous fights, you know, and, it takes a good two, three rounds for you to, to, to get that rhythm back. You know, it just takes the complete gas completely out of you. Yeah. And uh, it's the ugliest place to be, man, because when you got a guy trying to take your head off and you're only in round two or round three and you've got 12 rounds to go, you know, it's it's a dangerous it's a dangerous place to be. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, hooks are – I'm not good at those for some reason. I don't know what it is. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to have to teach you. Yeah, exactly. I might be back over there in October. I don't know. Um, there you go. So the bob and the weave – you got the uh, yeah. You picked the weave, but I was really that was more of a kind of a trick question because they're kind of in sort of the same. Same, but, same stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the but, weave, the weave, like you know, obviously when you're bobbing, I took it as if you bob, you're just staying in the same spot. Really, you're just ducking, you know. But when you're weaving, you got the head movement. You can create angles off that. Uh, angles is key, you know. It's like you know, being on a train track and a train's coming, you know, at full pelt. You know, if you're running backwards as fast as you can, it's still going to hit you. If you take yeah. two steps left, you're off the train tracks. You're not going to get hit. Yeah. You know, that's the same with boxing. You know, if I never go backwards, if I do go backwards, I'll pivot off, always create an angle, you know, and um, 
and then you reset and you go back from there. But yeah, I think weaving, moving the head movement is is another thing key. You know, you got to you got to do it. Right. No, it's all good stuff. I appreciate the input, man. Um, now let's go ahead and dive into everything that uh, let's get, we'll dial back a little bit. You, uh, where, when did you get into boxing? Like, what's the history for you? Absolutely, at seven years old, I said to my parents, "I'm going to be a world champion." I said, "One day I'm going to be." I'm going to sell out stadiums and have a belt around my waist. And um, again, seven years old, I had no idea. I think I watched Rocky, went into a few youth clubs back in the days and I just fell in love with it. And I said, you know, this is where I want to be. And all my family did like martial arts and you know, Kung Fu and all this other stuff. And for me, I said, no, I want, to, I want to do boxing, you know, and I said, I'm going to be a world champion. And I never looked back. You know, it's been a, it's been a hard life. I mean, I dropped out of school at year eight to chase my dream. Um, you know, I didn't have much backing. My parents didn't support it. Um, it's been tough, but I said to myself, you know, eventually the, the dream will pay off and I will be a world champion. And, um, you know, lucky enough, I'm getting my opportunity this year. Yeah. So while we're on that note, um, you said September, October timeframe, world championship. This is middleweight, correct? Correct. Yeah. The and IDF then, world title. And where will this be? In Melbourne, so Australia. So my opponent, uh, who's number one, because I'm currently number two, mandatory to number one. Uh, he's from Brazil, and he's undefeated in 30 fights. Uh, good fighter, you know, Southpaw. But, uh, he, he said that he's, he's happy to come down to uh, Melbourne, Australia, and take what's rightfully his. So, like I said, a few have said that. 30 <laughs> stood in front of me with the same outcome, and, uh, you know, 30 failed. Yeah. Dude, that's going to be fucking great. I hope I'm there. I'm going to come to that damn thing. Um, well, speaking of Ant, actually, I said if you boys are down there, 100% got you guys tickets and um okay yeah, yeah. well then i'll just I'll just i'll count me in regardless of uh whether i'm there yeah i'll fucking come support you i'll stay in your corner and you know <laughs> threaten you with uh with uh the beehive if you don't win especially with one arm i couldn't swim <laughs> yeah you couldn't man it was, I, it was that point when you were trying to get out i think i was like oh yeah, this man. guy's hurt yeah I, uh, uh, my shoulder come completely off yeah, so let's talk about that next. You so your it was your it was your right, right? It was my yeah, my left shoulder, yeah. Your left, your left. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah. and it happened on day one, right? Go ahead and so literally yeah. when we got out of the uh, the um little boat thing and we swam to Ant and then we had to dive in the water after the fire and then we'll doing the sand sprints and the burpees and all that stuff. Yeah, I was climbing on the sand, and as I on the wet stuff, it was all, all good. You know, it was hard, but as I come up the sand on the dry, as I pulled myself, I just I felt the pop, and my C six disc slipped and hit the nerve. And um, I think it was lucky that was next because you're right. I'm like, man, like, I can't, my my shoulders on fire, man. Like, and then Ollie come behind me, started, oh, you're big noting yourself, and started yelling at me, and I was like, shit. So I got scared, so I kept running, and then um. Yeah, I knew straight away there was something wrong, but I, again, you know, being strong minded, I said, you know what, I've come here to, to do a task and I'm not going to, definitely not, because I, I knew I was going to go to the end. Like I was willing to die on that show. But um, obviously in the Beehive, I just couldn't, I was actually drowning because I couldn't, I only had one arm. And I don't know how I got through that climbing one. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's the, I only watched, I think, two of the episodes, two or three of them, but I definitely saw you doing the climb one. And that was where it was, I mean, it was impressive. I had one arm. I had one arm, yeah. yeah. I, I was trying to climb ropes, and I was the first one to go too. And I was like, Jesus Christ! And I was like, 
you know, we got through it and he goes, oh, you were too slow. So I did it with one arm and got the bag. <laughs> you did. You did. I remember telling you good job at the top. I mean, I was like, damn, that's good. You pulled it off, even injured. So good on you. So what ended up, so you ended up having surgery or what was the deal? So what I had to, they were going to do surgery, but obviously I said, look, if they start playing around, I was booked into fight December. And um, so I had six months of basically rehab, strengthening. I had to see surgeons. I had to see the works. And to this day, still, I don't have full strength back in my left side. Um, my, my chest completely got rid of all its muscle. Um, I lost everything. So I had to build it back from strength from the start. And yeah. um, it's, about, it's about 85%, 90% done now. And um, it's, looking, it's looking good. But, man, it was, I couldn't even move my fingers at one point. Uh, holding a one kilo weight was like impossible. Oh man, that's demoralizing, right? I mean, I was, I was so shattered. I was more shattered that I was only on there for two two days. I was like, Jesus, man, like <laughs> okay, that's all the big game. That's okay. That's all you needed, right? <laughs> that's all you needed. <laughs> I'm sure you can come back if you want. You just, you know, well, 100. percent you know, I've actually reached out to Ant and, and the boys and said, mate, you know, this was one of my dreams to. to you know, go to the end and, you know, hopefully they get back, get me back and, you know, is it a, a redemption or repeat? You know, it's, it's a good storyline, good pitch line for Channel 7. Yeah, it is. It'll make for uh, uh, great TV as they, as they obviously they want, right? I mean, exactly. that's what it's all about. Hey, this is Clint Emerson, retired Navy SEAL. I get a lot of questions about my morning routine. So here it is in a nutshell. 5 a.m., wake up. First cup of coffee, I dump Bub's Naturals MCT oil in there. And then I mix it around with one of those little automatic stir spoon thingies that make it all frothy and creamy. And then my second cup, I dump Bub's Naturals collagen in there. Now, the reason I do both is the first one, MCT, fuels my brain. It gets me up, allows me to focus on whatever I've got going on. The second cup of coffee has collagen, which honestly, it's like lubrication for my joints. It makes my neck and my shoulders, my left hip and my left knee feel pretty damn good. And it wasn't until I went over to Australia that I realized that this stuff really does work. I was overseas for about 45 days. And in the first week, I wasn't so focused in the morning. In fact, I was a little foggy. And my neck was hurting. My shoulders were hurting. And I thought to myself, eh, it's just jet lag. Different pillow. A different mattress. And then it dawned on me, I don't have my bubs with me. The day I got back to the States, I immediately started back up, and within a week of being home, I was focused again, my joints didn't hurt, and I was like, holy, I can tell you that Bub's Naturals works. Great for your skin and hair, by the way. Everything feels good. Unlike a lot of supplements out there, it actually works, and that's the key takeaway here. It works. I'm telling you you will notice a difference. Check out bubsnaturals.com and order some MCT and collagen now. And don't forget to use promo code CANYOUSURVIVE. So now you mentioned Olympian. What, you, uh, what years was that? 2016. So I fought um, 2016 in the London Olympics and I qualified. And, and then I ended up getting matched with a fellow Aussie, uh, Damien Hooper who uh, ended up beating me. So it was un unlucky because normally an Aussie doesn't fight another Aussie. But um, the way that the way it all worked out, Damn. I got matched up with him. And I knew, he, I, I knew I couldn't beat him. He was just – he was an absolute gun at the time and just too much experience. But um, it was a great experience. And then as soon as I lost that, I said, you know what, you can't pay bills with trophies. I said, it's time to turn pro. 
Um, and I'm my 18th birthday, I turned professional and I haven't looked back since. You know, I'm 35 fights in now and I fought my fought everyone in my country and I fought seven world champions all around the world. So it's um it's been a crazy, crazy journey. But uh, and I'm only young, I'm only 30 years old with that much experience is is a is a lot. Yeah. Well, now, what do you think about this punk ass American Jake Paul or whatever the hell his name is? What do you, oh, what do you think he, about that? I, it, look, it, yeah, I say this all the time because you know, you guys look back and you're looking at Muhammad Ali and Sugar Ray Leonard and all that, and then like you know, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, we're going to be looking back at Jake Paul, and it's pathetic. You know, this he's not a fighter. <laughs> you know, he was on Disney back in when he was seven, eight years old, and I mean, he's turning heads. He's, he, he's making money, but. You know, it takes away from guys that are legitimate fighters because these guys are, you know, taking our main events and, you know, pay-per-views and all that when you've got guys like myself, Ebony Bridges, all these other, you know, real real fighters and yeah. uh, they're, stealing our, they're stealing our platforms. You know, it's, it's sad because it's not like I can, you know, quit boxing and say, well, next week, put me in the forward line, I'm playing football. You know, it doesn't work like that where these guys wake up one morning and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna be a, a boxer. You know, it just takes, takes the piss out of our sport a little bit. But yeah, you know, what, what can you do? I guess you know I'm not for it. Yeah, you know, down here in Australia, we've got a lot of AFL players and rugby players that quit their sport and, and play boxing. You can't play boxing. No, I try right. to say this all the time, you know, but they do it, and uh, it is sad. It is. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think it devalues the sport um, when you have a YouTuber just decide to you know go jump on a, a big platform. I mean, he's got a lot of platforms on the social side and he's made a name for himself, you know, kind of being a showboat and a jackass. And then, you know, and he gets whatever he wants, you know, because it revolves around money, right? So if he's yeah, going to bring in a bunch of people who are willing to, you know, pay per view uh, a fight and he picks these MMA guys and he picks like, he doesn't really pick a real fighter, or at least not yet. So... Um, I wish Tyson would get in there and just beat his fucking skull in. <laughs> 100%. Well, Canelo Alvarez apparently wants to fight him. And, you know, like I said, he, he hasn't fought anybody. You know, he's fighting guys no. that are, you know, he fought a basketball, he fought an ex-UFC fighter that wasn't even, he wasn't even the best middleweight in his gym, you know, and he's calling out these guys. And, you know, it's it's pretty pretty disappointing. But, again, what, yeah. what can you do, man? I'd love to fight him. You know, and I'm probably 10 divisions smaller, but I'll still fight him. <laughs> yeah. I think he'd whoop his ass. At least I'd hope he would. But uh, well, yeah, I was kind of curious about that. Now, what about Tyson? Now he, uh, that motherfucker, man, like he's just still an animal, right? I mean, just he's a beast, absolute yeah. beast. I've met, him, I've met him a few times. He's come to Australia a few times, and when I was um, overseas, I met him as well. And he's just one scary dude, man. Like he's scary at sixty. Imagine him in his prime, you know, 25, 30 years old, ready to go. Like that's someone I would definitely not want to stand in front of. You know, no matter how much money they gave me, I would not be standing. <laughs> He's yeah, a beast. The, those are hooks that you don't want to be a part of. Yeah. And he, he's one scary dude. Like, oh, I could not imagine, you know, standing in front of that guy in his prime, ready to go 12 rounds. Back then would have been 15 rounds, I think. Yeah. You know, with him. Like, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. He has some... He has that he has that crazy in him, that scary, crazy thing. Like he can just flip a switch and fucking just he's destroy here, people. He's, he's not a full dollar. He's not a full yeah. dollar, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. He's a nut job, man. Nut job. Yeah. That's uh that yeah, I, I agree, man. That's one guy that I'd be like, what the fuck? <laughs> right. Oh man. Um, he's got no neck. He's got no neck. Right. Like, how do you knock somebody out? Doesn't have a neck. 
<laughs> you best. need the neck. We need this. We need, yeah, the we need coup. Some, yeah. yeah, we need the coup counter coup action to knock them out. You can't do it if they don't have a neck. It's all traps. Uh, so haters, you brought them up. You got some haters out there. Do, oh, is there of any? Course. I say if you don't have haters, you're not doing anything right. You know. You gotta, <laughs> yeah, that's true. You got to have haters, and I got them all the time. You know, they they troll on your social media, but you know what's funny? I've got all these haters, and and not one. I've met in person, you know, that's, that's the, that's always the, the case, you know, like I'll jump on social media or on Instagram and Facebook and <clears throat> they'll troll you and, and say this, they'll, you know, they'll bag you and try to bring you down. But you know, you've, when you're in front of their face, they try to be, you know, your best friend. And um, I always yeah. say if they knew better, they'd be doing better in life. That's right. That's a good saying. I like that. If they knew better, mm -hmm. they'd be doing better in life. Correct. Yeah, and they, because yeah, they're taking time out to, to, to trash somebody. You know, I feel sorry for these people because if they're taking their time out of their day to, to jump on social media and try to bring someone else's success down, you know, it's it's. I just feel sorry for them. You know, no one successful people want to see other people be successful, but these people don't want to see anybody do better than them, and that's what's sad. You know, that's what I try to help. I want to help people like this because, you know, we're trying to, as as humans, we're meant to be helping each other. You know, not bringing each other down. Yeah, no doubt. Do you? Uh... Do you kind of ignore, do you even read comments anymore on social media or any of that stuff? Or you just stay away from Not them? really. No, I used to, you know, because I used to, <laughs> I used to read them and then, so I knew who they were. And then when I had events and stuff like that, I'd make sure I'm like, oh, that's the guy that, that you know, that was bagging <laughs> me and I'm going to say something to him. But now, like I said, if I wouldn't ask for your advice, I would, I don't yeah. care what you got to say. You know, like if I, if I'm in trouble and I, I wouldn't go to you for help, what your, your opinion means really nothing to me, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I get my. I get a little bit here and there too, and I just ignore it. I don't even read. I don't read any of the comments anymore. It just, uh, you know, most of them are positive when I do go look, but I just, I just don't have time for it. And I feel like it, it's a, it's something. It's one thing. It's one more thing that requires energy that I feel like 100%. just doesn't. It doesn't deserve the time. Most of it, you know, most of the time, it doesn't deserve it. And then if there are people saying positive stuff, then I do try to give them some energy back and at least like the comment or say thank you, you know, but that's about all I'll do is I'll either like something or I'll say thank you and everything else is just bullshit. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. I'm exactly the same. You got you to try to save the energy, not waste it. That's right. And I think more people should. I mean, when you're the social media, I mean, it's it plays a big role in mental health, as we all know. And it's like you just got to learn how to... Uh, ignore it and self-discipline is hard to come by these days and uh i always i always relate it to parenting right so the best skill you could give your child or give anyone is self-discipline and the way that then where it starts is with no you have yeah. to say no to someone enough times to the point where they can say no to themselves and once they learn to say no to themselves then they now have achieved self-discipline, right? And it's like, but it's kind of a hard thing for people to do these days because they get sucked in by social media comments, what someone's doing, what someone's not doing, who's pretty, who's not pretty, you know, all this bullshit out there. Correct. And it does you no good at the end of the day. Like, you, it's just going to put you in a bad mood. So just don't even bother looking. But you got to yeah. tell yourself, no, don't do it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And every time you jump on social media, it's all fake, you know, like everyone's showing their perfect life and, and that's not the case, you know, like 
there's days that you feel like shit. There's days that you hate life. You know, there's days that that's just that's that is life. You know, what I mean, it's a roller coaster. Some days are great, some days are shit. And um, you know, you jump on social media and everyone's got this perfect, you know, famous life, and it's like you know, it's just it's not real. And yeah. um, I try to stay off it as much as I can. Like I said, if I wouldn't, I use it as a promotional tool. You know, I don't use it to to talk about my life or what I'm doing. It's it's literally for my boxing. You know, to make my career, talk to promoters. You know, let let supporters know what's happening around in my career. You know, I mean, I, I don't I don't waste time in, in trying to bring someone else down or stuff like that. It's, it's pointless. Yeah. That, that, you get you get nothing out of it. And you know, for me, like I said, when for for parents and and a lot of these people are parents, and I say this all the time, even when I'm on TV and radio and stuff down here, I say these parents. I feel sorry for their kids because. You know, imagine what they're going to do in 10 years from now. And and as kids, you know, when, when a baby falls down, you know, everyone's there trying to support it, you know, clapping, saying, oh, you know, getting it back up for the baby to walk, you know. But then as you're getting older, it changes. When you do something right, everyone's telling you you can't do it. You're not good enough. You know, mm-hmm. don't even bother. You know, so it, it's weird. It changes, you know. As, as you're younger, you're meant to get all the support. And then when you're older, you get nothing. So Yeah. Yeah, it is kind of strange. It is. It's like it's just, you know, the – once again, it goes back to haters, and if you're if you're on the road of success, they want to try and fuck it up, you know, because it makes them feel better about being a fucking loser. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. I say you're doing something right, you know. If they're trolling on, if, the more haters you got, the more success you're getting, because that means you know there's more people that are you know frustrated that you're you're making it, you know. Yeah. And I'm just like, cool, you know. If you're not if you don't have haters, you know, you're not doing anything right, and if you haven't lost, you haven't fought anybody. That's what I always say. Yeah, that's I like that. It's kind of like in the Navy and the SEAL teams, we had this thing. It's kind of funny. It's like, if you didn't go to captain's mass, you're probably not going to make chief, right? And that means <laughs> you get in trouble, right? You have yeah. to at least get in trouble once, you know, and stand in front of the man and answer, why did you do this? And once you get through that, usually within a year or two, you get promoted, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like you got to go to you got to go to captain's mass in order to make chief. <laughs> you so. guys are on another level, man. You guys, are, <laughs> I don't know how you guys do it. And like I said, I take my hat off to all you guys. You're the absolute champions, man. Like I couldn't last two days. Nah, you'd be all right. We do like, exactly what you do. I mean, but the difference is, is, and I'm interested. You, you, all the. I used to tell I tell people all the time in the last part of my career I uh I found myself like operating alone, right? Doing stuff mm-hmm. alone and I loved it be- mainly because you know you're assuming all the risk all by yourself. You don't have any buddies to come support you, save you or do anything, mm-hmm. right? And the feeling of all that success and also all that potential failure is all on your own shoulders and there's going to be no one to blame at the end of the day if the mission gets fucked up but yourself right but i loved it you know what yeah, i mean yeah, yeah. so now is do you feel kind of the same is that the same type do you look at it that way as a boxer or how do you well yeah like at the end of the day i put in all the work it's it's the loneliest sport you know i'm up running i'm doing everything by myself you know i guess we have a team structure that makes everything happen but at the end of the day like i walk out with my team and then I can, they stop and I continue walking, getting in the ring. And then it's like, you know, I've only got myself and the other guy uh, across the ring from me. And it's like, you know, what I put in now is what I'm going to get out of it. You know, if I fail, I fail, you know, and if I win, you know, I, I say we all win, but at the end of the day, I win, you know, so it's, it's all on, it's all on me. Um, so yeah. I, I get, I get what you're trying to say. And um, you don't feel like you're letting anyone down or, you know, 
you're being let down. It's kind of like if you give a hundred percent, you know, it's all it's solely on you now. Yeah, and and I think it's interesting in boxing that you and your opponent know each other better than your own team knows you, right? Exactly. Yeah. Isn't it, 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 it <laughs> so weird? weird. Yeah. It's weird, yeah. Because once know. you're in there together and you're by yourself, you both exactly know what each one's gone through, what they're yeah. about to go through, and no one knows that feeling on your team except you and your opponent. Correct. <laughs> yeah. 100%. It's a unique. It's... Where we talk to each other. We, we, we're halfway through our fight. We're talking to each other, and it's like, I mean, you guys are crazy, man. Like, what are you doing? Like, my last fight was... <laughs> We hit each other and we're talking, and he's like, "You like that?" I was hitting him. Like, you like that? You know, it's like, <laughs> what, what is happening? You know, like, I get it. You know, I get it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's unbelievable. Now, what's your uh, what song? What's your what's your theme song? What gets you jacked up? What gets you fired up these days? Uh, I listen to a lot of Eric Thomas. I listen to a lot of like, um, you know, those motivational music podcasts. Um, I listen to all that stuff. I don't really listen to like music when I train. It's weird, you know. I, I'll send you some stuff. It's actually it's unbelievable. And uh, like when I go for runs, I just listen to like just orchestra, like you know violins and stuff like that. And just I try to you know switch off. You know when I'm doing my 10k runs or 20k runs, I'm just trying to zone in. I'm just hearing the you know the, the soft music in the back. I'm just mm-hmm. literally switching off. You know I can't really run and train with people in my ear yelling. You know like ACDC and all this stuff. <laughs> for me, I'm just I try to um you know really feel um and get emotionally into the song. You know just hear the all the all the all the tunes in there. Yeah, yeah. There was a study. I, th- I forgot what. Uh, I think it was one of the Ivy League schools here in the U.S. And when it when it comes to choice of music, uh, orchestra, symphony stuff was actually better for training than rock and yeah. roll or you know all this electronic music that's out there because it prevents you from doing these adrenaline dumps. Right? If you're listening yeah. to like hardcore stuff. You'll do yeah. an adrenaline dump, and then you might run your first two or three miles really, really fast. But afterwards, you're going to suck for the next yeah, how many ever miles you've got left. So they say, no, don't listen to that shit. Listen to symphony, orchestra, really yeah. mellow stuff and prevent the adrenaline dump so that you can actually go for the long haul. That's what I do. Like I get all the right, like the violins of, for, for me, it's just like, and it, and it picks up in the song and then. I'm just trying to get the breathing, the rhythm, and then you know I start getting into this pace where I'm like, man, I'm 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 coming home strong now, you know. But when I've got people yelling in my ER and you know the song drops and then it, you know like you, you gas yeah. out too, you know. And for me, I just try to switch off. I like want to put my beats on. I'm just in the zone and I just find that rhythm. And literally for how long I train for, it's just me in that moment. Um, yeah. And then yeah. as soon as it off, I'm I come back to to normality. But uh, yeah, for me, I, I have to listen to all this soft. All that kind of kind of kind of music. Yeah, keeps you uh, keeps you calm. Um, okay, now let's jump into when it's you're ramping up for a fight, and let's talk about what is what do your days look like? You know, you get up in the morning, and then what's the first thing you do all the way to what you do before you go to bed? So every day varies um, with the team. We sit down. Obviously, we have a twelve week um, plan for our camp. Uh, I normally train two to three times a day, and it's a mix up between track work, strength and conditioning, sparring, uh, you know, pad work, mitt work, bag work, um, drills. So it's a, it's a vary of things, but we, we try to cover most things every day. So I normally get up and I'll do a 10K run or a 12K run, followed by about 45 minutes extra cardio. And then I'll be go get something to eat, 
freshen up, come back to the gym, and it's when we do our boxing stuff, our drills, our sparring, um, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. And then I'll finish off with my recovery, which ice bath, beach, you know, all that kind of stuff for the body. But uh, again, it varies every day. So if oh, we have okay. sparring in the morning, we'll do our cardio in the afternoon, or you know, every yeah. day is different. But I'm trying. I'm training usually five, six hours a day. Gotcha. And then, what's your diet like? What do you? What do you? What's your intake? <sighs> My diet's shocking. Um, for me, <laughs> like I love. I'm a big. I don't like fried foods that much, but I'm a huge sweet tooth. I love my chocolate. Um, so in camp, it's probably the hardest thing to to let go. I get pretty moody and and pretty um impatient. But for me, I try to eat. Um, like yeah, I got a nutritionist, obviously, so I try to eat as clean as possible. But I mean, it's super hard. Super, super hard. I mean, <laughs> putting away chocolate and lollies for. What ten weeks is uh, is a nightmare. Is oh a nightmare. damn! Yeah, I know what you mean. I'm I'm a sweet tooth person too. Like I could I can eat a box of fucking donuts in a heartbeat. You know, hundred percent. The two days yeah. when I say yes, I started getting head spins because I didn't have lollies. <laughs> I was so, like, for, so for the Americans, what's a lolly? The, like you're talking like a like an actual lollipop, oh, like, a, like lollies, like nah, like um, I don't know what do you guys call them, like gummies, maybe I don't know. Oh, the gummies, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, gummies kind of thing. Like or, chewy, chewy type candy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we call yeah, them okay. lollipops. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I've never been one for those, but I definitely am like more of the flour and sugar kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. What about the yeah. sour stuff? What about the sour stuff? Oh yeah, I got gotcha. you. I, I love That's, the sour. Okay. The sour okay. candy's good. Ah, uh, yeah, the worms and the, the yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. We will be right back after the break. So you've got your nutrition. You've got obviously five to six hours of getting your ass kicked every day. Um, and then do you have like a post-fight tradition, post-fight thing? Like, is it immediate, like, like eat candy or do you have well, something? I, or? I, I smash candy a hundred percent. But the next day for my whole career, I've literally, I've just fought, I'll go for a run. And oh. people, people freak out. They're like, you know, I don't understand. You just fought. Like, why would you go for a run? And I said, it's just my thing. You know, why change something that works? Yeah, <laughs> it's your decompression. Uh, so it's, it's more just a therapeutic, you know, no time, you know, no nothing, just music in the ears and just we did it. The fight's done, you know, win, lose, or draw, it's it's done, you know, and it's kind of like a reward thing. Just like it's we go out there, we run, and then I'll come back and I'll have some KFC or some McDonald's or something and then just <laughs> yeah. chill out. <laughs> it sounds familiar, you know. For me, I'd go and do these little, uh, my little operations, right? And a lot of times you get done and it's a success and there's, there's no one to celebrate with, obviously, but mine was a hot shower. Like if I had hot water, then my, my decompression was like, okay, I'm taking a hot shower until it runs out of fucking hot water. <laughs> and then, then it was just kind of just sit, just kind of like in silence and think through everything you just did. See if I can extract any lessons learned, right? Like, okay, where did I have a hiccup, a potential failure, any of those those points where there's a good lesson? Make sure I retain them, even write them down uh, so that I can apply them to the next time around. But that was it. It was always a hot shower with a lot of thought and a lot of processing. Um, and then, of course, once I got back to the States, especially Texas, here we have uh, this fast food place called Whataburger. And so... You take like to basically take like a Big Mac, except, you know, uh, you know, it's it's 10 times bigger. <laughs> so, you know, I have to come down there and try it out. There you go. <laughs> What's yeah, it called? Waterbird. 
what what a burger like almost oh, like a with burger. a burger what oh. a burger right <laughs> but it but it it's all one word what a burger so it's yeah, yeah, kind of yeah, short yeah. to what a burger you know and uh they're popular here in texas and you know texans tend to be proud of their water burgers because you know california has in and out we're always like yeah yeah that's yeah, fucking, yeah. That's, yeah, yeah yeah that's definitely for california we don't have anything fancy down here we just got you know, the standard hungry jacks mac mcdonald's kfc we don't really have much yeah famous things like that well, I notice Australians can can eat some McDonald's, man. They, it's like oh, they love it, right? Crazy. Every every second person here has a breakfast, <laughs> lunch, and dinner because there's yeah. so much there's so much things you can do, and we have it 24 hours here. So it doesn't it never closes, so you can have it at two in the morning. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I was and, so surprised by that when they're like, "We fucking love McDonald's," and I was like, "No nuts, shit, huh? man, it's nuts." I'm not a big yeah. fan of it. I mean, I don't mind it, but I mean, I, I don't really. I cannot have it. For me, I'm a big fan of KFC, the Colonel. You know, that, yeah, for me, yeah. that's um, Kentucky Fried Chicken. That's, that's yeah, crazy. that's good it's too, busy. man. That stuff's addictive. You can <laughs> once you grab one drumstick, you got to have ten of them. You it's know? all over. It's all over. Once one starts, it's all done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had uh, a former chairman of the board. His name's Keith Melton. If you haven't listened to that podcast, everyone should. And we get into a little bit of McDonald's stories, but. One of the things he told me offline is, you know, there was a time in 80s and 90s when McDonald's just caught a lot of bad press because of how unhealthy it was. Mm. And so they actually they cleaned up their ingredients and everything they do in their process to the point where it McDonald's hamburger meat is actually the top rated sirloin that you can get. Like if you when you eat a McDonald's hamburger the meat itself is better rated than any other fast food restaurant in the world they 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 took all that criticism seriously and they totally flip, flipped the switch changed the narrative yeah. and actually invested in the best meat it's all sirloin it's not meaning if you go to wendy's or you go to any of your other hamburger joints then that patty of meat is ground beef but it's also ground up noses ears and cartilage right any scraps <laughs> right any scraps that were on the floor also get ground up in the hamburger meat and whereas with mcdonald's hamburger meat it's 100 percent sirloin you're not going to have any no noses cartilage ears or anything weird in your in your hamburger meat. Right, anyway. i'm never gonna have fast food ever again <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, exactly you and you trump you know supposedly trump it. eats fucking mcdonald's like three meals a day it's crazy um all right so to now to close it out, you know, you're you're known as pretty boy, right? Pretty boy. And it's because your nose, your nose is still like normal, right? Well, yeah, I haven't I've broken it <laughs> once. Um, but I didn't get it for my looks, obviously. I got it for my style as an amateur. Um, you know, the MC was like, you know, Zarafe is very pretty, the style, you know, the pretty boy. And I tried to shake it, I tried to shake it for so many years, but every time I fought, I just kept getting the same MC. And um, he just kept announcing me the pretty boy, the pretty boy. And then when I debuted uh, as a professional for the first couple of fights, he was the MC, and I was like, "You're kidding!" Uh, he's, a, <laughs> he's a he's a well-known MC down here, and he kept saying, "You know, Michael, pretty boy is the rougher. And I was like, "Fuck!" And then yeah, just it just stuck. I was like, "Man, I tried to get rid of it. I'm like, give me like the the, the bomber or you know the, the destroyer or give me something." <laughs> the no, destroyer. But, yeah, yeah. I, I just I got the pretty boy, and I mean, yeah, for 30 years old, 35 fights. I mean, I've still got a all right. Yeah. 
all right face line you are kind of pretty i mean you're pretty and you got in your in your nose is smashed in and all fucked up so you know keep it that way buddy keep it that way keep moving fast right oh, it's, it's all the footwork i told you footwork's key footwork yeah there you go that's the footwork is the secret to maintaining a beautiful nose in boxing <laughs> um Man, is there so you know before we before we uh, move into your crisis scenario, um, let's dig in hard on this world championship. Tell me, like, what's your plan? Who are you up against? And what's your what are your thoughts on it overall? So for me, I mean, a lot of people freak out. They always say to me, you know, like, <clears throat> what's your game plan? And I just say, to be honest, I said every fight I've had, I wing it. I said, you know, I can't. I can't prepare. I can prepare for the fight, but I, I can't go in there and fight for the un, unknown. I don't know what he's going to bring. Um, you know, I'm fighting uh, Falco, Falcoa, who's the Brazilian number one. He's had 30 fights, 30 wins with 21 knockouts. So he's a good fighter. You know, he's been in there with some tough, tough guys. But I, I truly believe styles make fights. And uh, you know, he he's tough. He doesn't have the best footwork. You know, he just stands there and quite, tries to just use his defense. But uh, for me, if I just like Muhammad Ali, stick and jab and, and just move, you know, on the outside, like my last opponent, I think I can take him 12 rounds and beat him, you know, especially here in Melbourne. I'm not doing any traveling this time, you know. All the world champions I fought, I had to travel, England, America. I've been Russia, Japan, you know, all these guys I had to travel for. So this time it's in my backyard and yeah. Um, yeah. it's going to be a hard fight. But again, I, I, I just wing it. You know, I do my camp. I train the same. If I'm training the worst fight in the world or the best fight in the world, my camp stays the same. You know, we implement implement little things here and there, but I just go out there and, 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 and just feel it out, you know, round one, suss out what's going on, try to get my distance, you know, just get that jab in his face, you know, just moving around and, and then start, start building from there around four, round eight, you know, and just start putting everything together. So I've run an essay. Yeah. You know, you yeah, just start I... and then eventually you just start rolling with it, you know, and that's how I am with my boxing. Hmm. Now, what is his strength or strengths? His, his power. Um, power. Yeah, he's he's a big puncher, and he's got a tight defense. You know, he's very 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 good on the defense, um, and he's just got he just whacks a power power punch. But again, you know, you can't hit what you can't see. You know what I mean? So, on the outside moving, he's sticking that jab. You know, he wants to set before he throws. So I'll just keep him, you know, always away from that right hand. Keep him turning all the time. Don't let him set. Yeah, correct. You know, yeah. a lot of people say, "Oh, how do you do that for twelve rounds?" So, you know, that's the difference between good and great. You know, yeah, that's all right. The, the good can do it. And uh, you that's know, those 10 and 20 K runs you're doing every fucking morning. 100%, yeah. <laughs> that's how you do concept. 12 rounds. hundred <laughs> percent. You know, there's pros and cons. And I'm a, I'm a big believer in running. You know, people say, oh, running diminishes power and this and that. And I say, yeah, I know, but for me, it's very therapeutic. And I don't know. I just feel once I get my 10 Ks in, it's like, you know, I can yeah. dance for 12 rounds. You know, I just, I just feel yeah, good. A lot of people yeah. have their, their, their saves on it though. So are you allowed to have sex? Are you going to have sex before the fight? Uh, they they say you're not meant to. I mean, it's hard. We're, we're fucking we're humans, you know what I mean. But um, yeah. we try we try not to. I mean, a week, two weeks, you know, if you can hold, hold. I mean, yeah, I have in the past and I have it in the bar. So, I mean, yeah, if you can, it's it's about the power. Where you boys, you guys have the minds of of an animal, you know, man. You you can do all that stuff. I'm a little bit softer than you boys. Yeah, <laughs> no, I don't think Playing so. Playing nose a little bit harder. I don't think so. But I mean, what is, you know, that's always been kind of a thing in boxing, like don't have sex and this and that. Is that what, what have you heard or what are you told? Is that just keep testosterone levels high? Yeah, just keep the aggression, just keep the aggression, just, um, you know, discipline, you know, discipline keeps the testosterone high, 
gets that anger, you know, wanting to do something that you can't. You know, yeah. it's like when you say, you know, you got to diet straight away. You you want you want to eat, you know, junk food as soon as the diet's kicked in, and then you you want it more when you can't have <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and that's the same thing, you know. They say a week before your fight, it should be only about the fight, nothing else. And you're like, you know, you want to because you're not doing anything for the week of the fight. You're just chilling out realistically. So you're at home. There's really nothing much to do but that, you know. So it, it gets you frustrated, keeps the testosterone, you know, high, and just the discipline. And then it's just another tick off the list that you've done. Yeah, and it, and it goes back to the beginning of our conversation: self-discipline, right? Having the ability to tell yourself no, and if more people had it, they would be better shape they won't be as fat you know Correct. they they wouldn't be depressed by social media you know there's so many things just something as simple as self-discipline what a huge advantage it gives you in life right 100 percent. and i said that to everyone i said look training's not for everyone training's hard training sucks yeah i said but if you've made that decision where you're not going to train make that decision that you're going to eat healthier you know because yeah. people are like yeah. oh i want to train but i'm going to have a big mac and then they say well why am i fat so well you're the reason why you're fat, you know what I mean? And, and <laughs> yeah. you know, you just got to say no. And, and and it is hard, but that's, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You know what I mean? You, you got to sacrifice is probably the best word to use. You know, you got to sacrifice what you want. Yeah. And I, well, I would say too, the flip side of that, and it's what a lot of uh, the recruits in SAS have to do. And that is you have to surrender to the process. And yeah. once you surrender to it, and you flip that switch, then all of a sudden you're like, now you realize, oh, I'm in the game now and right. I'm going to fuck some shit up, right? Right. Yeah, the penny yeah. drops. That's it. The penny Just drops, surrender. The, the switch flicks and you got to go, man. It's time to go. That's it. Yeah. Cool, man. You're listening to Can You Survive This Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Please make sure to subscribe, rate, and share on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite shows. Let's see now if you can survive this fucking podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so your hypothetical survival scenario goes as follows, right? You have been paid to appear at a boxing event in the United States. You're on the East Coast, okay? After the event, an Uber drops you off in front of your hotel. Okay. Uber drives away. As you walk towards the hotel entrance, a car pulls up and the trunk pops open. A guy hops out of the passenger seat. He grabs you from behind and tries to force you into the trunk. Okay. Obviously, your boxing skills kick in and you kick his ass <laughs> in the real world, but not in this world. <laughs> okay. So you fight off the first guy, no problem. All right. But then the second guy who was driving the car, he kind of hits you from behind. He sucker punches you. Nothing you can do about that um, with some kind of unknown object, right? Uh, now you're face down on the ground, um, struggling to remain conscious, right? And the assailant pulls out zip ties, right? Now he's zip tying you up. So do you, A, fight as hard as you can uh, to not get your hands zip tied behind you or b as they zip tie your wrists press your palms together all right and then your thumb level open your hands at the bottom and flex your wrists so that it appears that you're kind of giving in 100 that one 
hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Take that. I just yeah, play it cool, and um, yeah, just just make it like you know, I'm all sweet. Take me, and then obviously yeah, there's gonna give that little bit of leeway so I can get my hands out. That's right. You're setting yourself up for the escape because uh, the most important thing to do in any of these situations is remain conscious. You know, the last thing you want to do is get knocked out, wake up somewhere. And be, and then the real restraints be placed on you, and there's no escape possible, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So stay conscious, you know, temporarily surrender, knowing that you're going to go ahead and take the home field advantage from them uh, by putting on an act, right? It's called feigning compliance. You're going to feign compliance so that you can escape later. All right. Um, now you're zip tied and you're in the trunk. But because you kind of gave in to them, you're able to put your zip tie, your, your hands are in front of you, not behind you, right? And so the vehicle starts moving. So do you A, kick out a brake light, brake light, or B, kick up as hard as you can on the trunk and try and escape? The brake light. To try brake to just brake light and try to get someone's attention from the outside. That's right. That's right. Good job, buddy. Uh, a lot of people would think, yeah, I'm going to try and kick the trunk open, but they've never been in a trunk before, obviously, because there's no <laughs> moving around. <laughs> to yeah, get, yeah, yeah. And you're making like, some serious noise. They're going to definitely know that you're trying to do something. But they're yeah, going to know. Gonna... Yeah, exactly. They're going to know you're up to something, and plus, you're just not going to be able to pull it off. There's no space to, like, turn on your back and, like, start kicking. Um, unless you're, like, maybe, you know, a small person. Maybe you could pull it off. I don't know. Melissa, <laughs> um, we can probably do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, kicking out the brake light will, uh, you know, obviously, hopefully get the car pulled over by law enforcement. Um, would definitely get somebody's attention. If it's an older model vehicle, when you kick out the brake light, you'll actually be able to stick a hand out there and maybe get somebody's attention. They'll be like, hey, there's a weird hand sticking out of that yeah. car and get someone to call 911 or call 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 the cops for you. Um, you can hear these guys talking, all right? And, uh, they know that you're a trained fighter, okay? Um, you're still zip-tied, uh, and actually your hands are behind your back. I didn't I didn't state that correctly. You notice a, a greasy rag, a, bob, a bobby pin in the trunk, okay? You also notice a can of compressed air, the kind that you kind of clean your keyboards off with. You, I don't yeah, know. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, in the trunk uh, with you. And maybe you can use that stuff later. I don't know. But you take note of all of it, all right? And uh, the car slows to a stop, and the assailants get out. You hear them greet a dog, okay? Then their voices fade, and you have to get the zip ties off your wrists. So do you, A, roll to your side in trunk so that you can attempt to get those zip ties off, or do you, B, roll onto your stomach? Uh, side, uh, I assume. Yeah. There you go. Side. Because you, 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 you face down, you can't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Common sense prevails. But you'd it was be that easy that it was started to become hard. Yeah, it is. It's a little trick trick. But, you know, yes, on your side. And so you can, uh, you know, if you're on your side, you'll be able to kind of almost pull up into the fetal position, knees to the chest, yeah, and move around and try yeah, and yeah. try and get your wrist to something, maybe sharp or whatever, in the vehicle. Um, but let's see what the scenario says here. So um, you pull your wrists apart as hard as you can. You lower your hands. Oh, yeah. So you're gonna you're gonna lower your hands past your glutes, your ass, right? Now, 
Only an athlete can pull this off. If your hands are tied together <laughs> behind your wrist, um, and it's a good reason for you listeners out there to be in shape, because if you get apprehended and you get your hands tied behind your back, you want to be able to pull your wrist <laughs> down below your ass. Okay, slide them along your hamstrings to the to where your knees bend. Pull your knees up to your chest and then pull your wrists around your feet. Now you've got your hands in front of you. And now it's easy after that, right? You can do whatever you want to try and get those uh, those zip ties off of you. So with your wrists now in front of you, you have a better chance of defeating the restraint. So next, do you A, try to bite through the zip ties or B, use one of the objects you saw in the trunk to defeat the zip ties? I'd definitely be use something because you don't want to destroy your teeth. <laughs> That's right. You're probably not going to bite through hard plastic, but uh, if I guess if you're aggressive enough, you could just eat your hands off. <laughs> but uh, that's probably not a good idea. Um, yes, it's much easier to grab a bobby oh, pen. Yeah, yeah, grab a bobby pen, and most people probably, if you pay attention to how zip ties work, it's a ratcheting system, and the most important piece to the ratcheting system is the gate. The gate is made out of plastic. If you have a bobby pin, which is metal, and you shove it in between the gate and the bitter end of your zip tie, where it goes click, 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 it's just going to release, right? You're just pushing that little gate down, and now the zip ties come off the same way they went on. Um, it takes you got to be calm. you got to be patient. But it's probably the quietest, stealthiest, easiest way uh, if you're in a confined space to get zip ties off. Um, okay, so with your hands free, you can now access Carjack. All right. Um, and do you have any idea what you could use that Carjack for? Uh, no. Yep. So with a Carjack, you can. Put it actually, if you can get it out from underneath the floorboard, you can pull it up and you can start cranking it and it'll extend, right? To lift a vehicle. Oh, well, yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. The boot. Well, you guys call yeah. it a boot. We call it a trunk. Yeah. But yes, the car jack will definitely break that trunk wide open. And it's quieter than sitting there trying to kick and all these other options, right? Um, remaining quiet is key to, the, to your escape. Um, so success, the trunk pops open. So now, do you A, run like hell, or B, take the objects, the remaining objects in your trunk uh, with you? Hmm. <laughs> For me, I would run like hell because I could run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but you had to be quicker than you can say, but I mean, yeah, you would take the rest of the stuff. Yeah, mainly because you don't know what you're about to face, right? You're in a new environment, a foreign environment that you've never been. You know that there's potentially a dog out there. The dog is the, probably the, the next problem you're just going to have to deal with because you're probably not going to outrun the dog. Um, so, I while... <laughs> I forgot <laughs> well, that was a dog. See, you guys think. We don't think. <laughs> except, it's, except it's you. Except for you. Maybe you'll outrun the dog. Okay. Um, while, you know, of course, a quick escape is very important, it... A successful escape is more important than trying to be quick. So you grab the tools that you have left, um, and that that can of air. What um, there's a couple of things you can do with it. So do you a throw the canned air at the dog and run, or b turn the can over so that it f sprays freezing cold air in the dog's face? 
Hmm. 107B. There you go. See? So now what then that came from one of the uh there was a target that I was dealing with overseas and it had a dog in the uh and you can come back with the first night, right? You get to you you figure out how to get the door open and then there's nothing but white teeth and a big snarling nose staring at you. And then you uh you basically freeze its nose and then it'll run away. But you can't go. It's not a good idea to go that night. So then what you do is you come back a couple of more nights and you freeze its nose until it's never at the door again. <laughs> then you know, okay, this is probably the safest moment for me now to go into this target. But, yeah, yeah. yeah freezing a nose of a dog is a uh, – and it's 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 not doing any permanent damage. It's humane. Um, and nobody knows that you've – been there you know what i mean so if you kill the dog then they know you've been there <laughs> all right uh let's see here so you neutralize the dog and it takes off running because it's like fuck this i don't want to freeze my nose off um so as you round a corner you run straight into one of the bad guys and he's pointing a gun at your chest so do you a kick him in the nuts or b maybe pivot where you talk about moving, right? Because you don't want to get hit. Pivot and then trap the weapon with your hands. Uh, so is it kick him in the nuts or pivot and trap the gun? I mean, if you, like I said, if you could do both and they both work, you'll be safe in both. But I'll, <laughs> yeah. you, for me, I'd probably try to restrain the weapon. I mean, yeah. I'll because try if to you keep rest. it out of the way. Grab the weapon, and then obviously it's you know it's a 50-50 chance. But yeah, you know, at least if you kick if you kick him in the nuts, he can still shoot you. That's right. If you can kick him in the nuts, he can shoot you. If you turn and run, he can shoot you in the back. So yeah, you know when you're when you're point blank like that, you know you're kind of in a place where you just have to get control of the weapon and uh, and hope that you're just you know you're 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 what most people forget is that when you're fighting for your life, right? You're actually in a better position than the person who's just trying to take your life, you know? And, uh, you know, if, if your adrenaline, your focus, and as you, you know, this in a fight, you just kind of, all of a sudden you're zoning out the crowd, you're zoning out everything and you go into kill mode. Um, if a gun's pointed at your chest, you know, you have that ability, but the problem is, is sometimes people's mental, uh, aspect, the, the mental side of the house takes advantage of them, right? Fear yeah, kicks course, in, yeah. and they either freeze or they they feel like they've already been defeated, and they end up doing nothing instead of taking advantage of the tools that they have. But um, all right, anyway. So with the gun trapped, a struggle starts to ensue, right? So do you a yank forward and strip the gun away, or b control and drive the barrel towards the enemy's chest? B. B, correct. You want to drive it forward, driving them backwards, and it makes it a whole lot easier now to strip it away because anytime you push somebody one direction and then pull back, boom, You now you've got the gun. Okay, yeah, yeah, so no. you control, drive towards the chest, and then you, know, you basically grab the gun, opposite yank, and now you've got the weapon. Um, and you command him to his knees. All right, so... Do you A, take two steps and go ahead and just go for a big old right, big straight right <laughs> to knock this dude out? Put him to in, sleep. 
into his uh, knockout triangle, we call it. Or B, slowly back away, keeping your gun on the attacker. And uh, once you've got some good distance, turn and run safely away. For me, I'd do both. <laughs> but the, the, the answer is B. Um, controlled situation, you know, get yourself some distance and then, um, you know, take off with yeah. the weapon. And you're, in, you're in control. Uh, you neutralize the situation. You're in control. You're safe. Uh, but, yeah, for me, he definitely need to cop an overhand right before I took off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I would, I would agree with you 100%, and I wouldn't want a right hand from you. So, um, good job, buddy. You have survived this podcast, and you did you did really well. I mean, some people get Thanks, a little brother. stumped on some of those, but you uh, you crushed it, buddy. And uh, oh, brother. really good job. So, before we go and let you go to, go to your uh, what is it? Your first round of training today, right? It's so, fun, yeah. Yeah. So let's uh, let everybody know where they can find you, where they can follow you, and track your uh, your future success and your and your way to your championship. Oh, just on social media, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Michael Pretty Boy Zarafa. Um, yeah, man, show your support, show your love. And like I said, you're doing great things, man. And I can't wait to bring this world title back to Australia and Melbourne. Yeah. Let's uh so everybody listening, you know, uh if you're if you can't find him, like I always say, just go to who I'm following and uh, you'll find him there because I only follow cool people and he's a cool dude and he's a badass on top of that. So let's give him support. Um, unless of course he ends up fighting an American, well then of course we got you know we got to support. <laughs> you guys America. beat me. You guys beat me. Support an American, you beat me. <laughs> That's right. But uh, Australia is the other America, as we like to say. It's the other Texas. And uh, go show your support. It's been a pleasure having you, man. I wish you the best of luck. I know that I'll be following. I'll be watching. And if I can get over there for your fight, then I fucking I'm, man, I'm there. I'll do it. It's uh. I know you'll win it. You're the champ. You're going to be the champ. You're going to continue to be a champ in life, no matter what happens. And uh, I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your knowledge, your experience. And I had a whole lot of fun with you. I appreciate it, brother. Thanks for having me on. And like I said, man, much love, much respect. And uh, you're doing great things. And I uh, uh, can't wait to uh, see what's next for you guys. Yeah, I appreciate it. And like I always say, you know, keep it simple out there because crisis will complicate the rest. Until next time, be safe out there. Can You Survive This Podcast is a production of Calvary Audio and iHeartMedia. Recorded live from a secure location here in Dallas, Texas. Produced by Brandon Morgan, Jeff Apple, and Clint Emerson. Executive produced by Keegan Rosenberger and Dana Brunetti. For Calvary Audio, I'm Clint Emerson. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.